Hallelujah, Father. We're so grateful. We're so grateful today. God, be enthroned on the praises of your people. By our very hearts, the deep place within, we worship you, God. The deep part of our being that screams out to you, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we're so grateful that you have risen, and you are risen indeed. You are alive and working. God, you are so worthy of all that we have and all that we are. Hallelujah to the living God. Hallelujah to the King of Kings. Be glorified in this house today. Amen. Amen. He is risen. It is great to be together with you to celebrate this best day of the year. I'm Pastor Steve. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, it's great to have everybody here. It's great to have the kids with us this morning, too. And uh, we're glad that you're all here. We've been going through Lent. We've been going through Numbers. I'm not preaching on Numbers. I'm not even preaching on any of the books of Moses. I know you're all disappointed, but just for a little bit. We're going to take a break until uh, June on the, uh, the Books of Moses. And, um, but today we want, to, we want to look at what's been happening. So we've been going through Lent. And we've been walking in the wilderness with Jesus. We've been taking our laments and putting them in the tomb. We've talked about our griefs and the, our sorrows and our pain. And we've been putting them in the tomb. We've talked about the injustices in our world. And we've talked about the injustice that we do ourselves. We realize when we look at the injustice around us, we get upset. We say, that's not right. Somebody should do something about that. Somebody should punish those people. And then, if we're really honest, we look at ourselves and we say, but I'm not that different. I'm not so great myself. And that makes us even, gives us even more grief. And we get angry. But then we get angry at ourselves sometimes. And Ultimately, when you look at the cross of Jesus Christ, that is the ultimate injustice. For Jesus, who was sinless, to be killed. For the most innocent one to be tortured, exposed, naked, ripped apart, and hung there until he could suffocate himself, was awful. And when we look at that, it brings pain and grief, and not only that, but here life came to save us, and we killed him. It means death rules, right? It means there is no hope. He walked into Jerusalem, arrived, and tore up the corruption and kicked out the tables, and the authorities clamped down the boot of Rome and the the Jewish authorities, and they put him to death. The great revolution everybody was hoping for ended in just another crucifixion. Rome, as they love to do, putting any rebel at the crossway, naked, bloody, dead, just so you knew, don't touch Rome. We are in charge. The emperor is king. There is no hope. And that is... What we come to in Lent, and that crucifixion also makes us stare in the face of death. 
When we are looking at Jesus' body bloody on the cross, we can't help but look at death. Honestly, most of us pretend our whole lives, yeah, death happens, everybody dies, but nobody I know. Everybody but me. Everybody but my mom and my dad. Everybody but my sister and my... Right? But we have to face death when it comes to Good Friday. And eventually we all have to face death somehow. And you see these Easter lilies around here? That's great hope for spring. But if you look in the bulletin, you'll see that each of these Easter lilies was bought by somebody who is mourning somebody, grieving somebody. One of these I bought for my father, Virgil Rasmussen, who died a year and three months ago. You all forgot about that, but I haven't forgotten about it. And your griefs, you, we might have forgotten about, but you haven't. Ron Speakers here, his wife died, his mother died. Maybe you forgot. He hasn't. Um, I talked to Patty today, and her sister, who's dying with cancer, was in the hospital. She thought going to die on Good Friday, and praise God, she's out of the hospital now. But she's still dying. And she had tears in her eyes saying she's a special sister. How do we face that? I talked to somebody else whose permission I didn't ask about having her father with her as he's declining and uh, can't be alone anymore and has to live with her and, and angry about that. But, you know, getting used to it. Um, you know, when my dad died, I lost my mom and dad in a way because my, they were kind of a unit. Mom did all the cooking and dad did all the talking. And, uh, you know, it was good nourishment all around. Right after she died, she broke her hip, and then um, she fell a couple more times, and she was down here for a couple weeks. Some of you saw her, and I was like, well, something's different, Mom. You can't walk the same. And we finally, um, so I wrote to my, my siblings and my, my uh, niece, who's a gerontologist, quick, got on, took her to the neurologist, MRI. She's had three small strokes, so she's forgetting some things. She's not walking the same. She's declining, and that's really hard. And, of course, we're asking the question, does she need to move in with us? How are we going to do this? Does she need 24? But many of you, I've given a few examples, many of you are facing similar things. You're thinking about your own death. You're thinking about your own sickness and wondering, is this, is this going to be it? You're thinking about somebody who you're grieving for, somebody who you've lost, somebody who you're having to care for, and it's tough. And most of the time, we can pretend. Life's fine. It's all good. We're never going to die. Even though we know we're all going to die. How do we face death? And let me ask you another question. Let me, first, a, a hypothetical question first. What if you had the cure for cancer? Let's even say cancer and heart disease. And you had this cure... And I know you're getting close, Alex, but, you know, like the cure for all cancer, um, not just a little cancer. Um, cure for all cancer, all heart disease. You had the cure, and what would you do with that? Well, let me complicate a little bit. Let's say 
there was a big pharmaceutical company that had all the money and power and the government in their pocket and didn't want you to tell anybody about the cure that you had, what would you do? Okay, now I'm going to ask you a more maybe personal question. What would you do if you didn't have to worry about death, if you weren't you didn't have to worry about dying or anybody, any loved ones close to you dying. Would you bungee jump? Would you skydive? Or would there be no point in that because you couldn't die? Or, I mean, what? Um, would you have a baby? Would you go live in another country? Would you get a job that didn't pay so much because you were going to be able to eat somehow? Uh, what would you do? So I want you to think about that for a minute. What would you do if you weren't going to die and nobody you loved was going to die? How would that change your life? And then I want you to talk to somebody next to you about that. There's a, we're a little fuller here, so it's easier to find somebody next to you. Now, and, to, and I'm going to give a little clue. Uh, some of you were asking um, why I had my special Easter outfit on today. You, by the way, you guys are looking great. Um, I love the outfits. Um, but for the kids, kids, we're going to have us. Can I have the kids look at me for a minute? Kids, we're going to have a special guest today, a special speaker. He's been here once before. Okay, it's really going to be me, but I can pretend to be somebody else, okay? So I want you to try to figure out who this person is who's going to come. So you guys talk to each other. Tell me what you would do if you didn't have to worry about dying or anybody around you dying, okay? And I'll go get our special speaker. All right. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are the kids? You're good? All right. Good. So um, I was invited to speak by your wonderful pastor. And uh, so I thought I'd come here. Th thanks for having me back. I know you, you heard me one other time. I didn't know if you'd, you'd uh, you know, want me back again. I kind of told my story that time, but I thought, I'll tell you a little more, more of my story. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, I don't know, you remember the other time I told you about how, uh, I, so, listen, let me be honest, okay, I'm, not, I'm just a kind of ordinary guy, all right, I'm a working guy, night shift, um, trying to bring home the bacon, the bread, the fish, whatever, my wife always wants to know, what'd you bring home every time, kind of not always the same, and uh, so night shift is iffy, I'd rather not work the night shift, but that's the way it goes. And, um, you know, i kind of a all-weather guy, too, because you kind of do got to do the night shift and all the weather. Um, so, um, so yeah, we, we'd uh, do the night shift and all the weather. And I, I think I told you about, uh, so in my village, uh, there was this guy came by, and he, uh, amazing, amazing teacher. And uh, I was impressed. I mean, I'm no scholar, but he was, he was something. Um, and then uh, came to my church, and this guy who had been demonized, who was really weird, and had these things going, just, phew, done. 
brought him home for dinner. My mother-in-law jumped out of bed. She'd been sick for like a long time. And I was like amazed. And then, and then I was working the night shift, came off no fish. And he said, throw the net on the other side of the boat. I'm like, I know my job. You're a carpenter. What do you know about fishing? But, you know, what's it? Full of fish. So I'm like, woo. And then he said this, follow me. Nobody ever said that to me before. I mean, rabbis would go around and collect disciples, but, you know, they were looking for, like, illustrious disciples, smart disciples, you know, the A students. I didn't even hardly been to school. Okay, I mean, I can read and write. I can, but, you know, like, Greek is my second language. You know, Aramaic's kind of more. Anyways, he said, follow me, like, be my disciple. I went, it's like, this is my chance. I, I'm going. Because he's got all this stuff. He's got power over all this stuff. I'm, I'm following him. And as I'm following him, I'm watching him do this amazing stuff. And I'm asking, and we're all asking, who is this? I mean, he was called Yeshua, Jesus, whatever you, language you like, Yeshua, Yesu, whatever. He would, people call him different things, but Jesus was amazing. He could do all this stuff. I followed him, and then I'm watching him do all this amazing stuff, and we got to be his disciples, and we're trying to figure out, who is this? And then at one point, he asked us, here's the test, who am I? And I said, you are the king. You are the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for to conquer Rome to get us out of this situation to handle all this stuff. You're the Messiah we've been waiting for all this time. The son of David. He said, this has not been revealed to you. And then he changed my name. He said it was revealed to you by the father. He changed my name from Simon, which is, you know, an okay name, to The Rock. I mean, The Rock. That's a name. The Rock. Um, you know, Peter is kind of, yeah, let's do Petra, whatever. The rock. Going to translate it. You should translate it. The rock. So I'm the rock, he says to me. And then I say, and then he starts telling me this other stuff about how he's going to the cross. He's going to be killed. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're the Messiah. You're the king. That's never going to happen. Turns around. You know, he said, just said to me that was revealed from God. Turns around. He says, get behind me, Satan. Whoa. Satan. I mean, The Rock was a good name. Satan is not a good name to be called, especially by Jesus. But he was trying to tell me something. Uh, trying to get it. What's the something? So you are the Messiah, but what I just said was out of line. But how can it be out of line? I mean, you're the king. And then he kept telling us that. Over and over, he'd say, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be beaten up, messed up by the authorities, and I'm going to die. He wouldn't shut up about that. Over and over he told us. And then he told us, then three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. Whatever. What is that? Uh, we were confused. I, maybe you're not confused, but I was confused. You're the Messiah. You're the king. You march into Jerusalem. We're even when we're going to Jerusalem, we know this is not going to be good. On the way to Jerusalem, well, 
his friend, he got news about his friend. His friend Lazarus, you know Mary, Martha, Lazarus, that family? Maybe you guys don't know him, but they were good friends. Um, and Lazarus was sick. And then he waits around. And then he goes, and he meets, and, and, and Mary and Martha come out and say, wow, you're here. If you'd just been here earlier, he wouldn't have died. And, and Jesus said this. He said, he'll be resurrected. She said, oh, yeah, at the last day he'll be resurrected. He said, no, he will be resurrected. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Okay, so Messiah I got. Resurrection and life, that's a lot to claim for yourself. Um, who was this guy? And then he did it. The guy had been dead for four days. He said, take the stone away from the tomb. Now, you guys don't get this, I know, because you, you do this weird custom thing where you put people in the dirt. And, I mean, okay, you have a little vault with cement. He still put them in the dirt. That's weird. But we, you know, we had this whole limestone all over. We'd carve out caves, and then we'd set people inside this tomb, and there'd be, they'd, they'd uh, have a place, and we'd stick them in there, and then, you know, we'd leave them there for a few years, and then they'd rot, and then we'd collect the bones and stick it in a place. We could put somebody else. You could use a tomb for generations. Isn't that the right way to bury people? Sure. Um, so anyway, Lazarus was in this tomb, Fortunately, it hadn't been used by a lot of other people because when Jesus said, come out, oh, he did say, Lazarus, come out. I guess it was specific, but could have been the whole neighborhood, you know? So he said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus walked out. Well, walked out. He was kind of bound up with grave clothes and stuff, but took him off and he was alive. I mean, the resurrection and the life thing, whoa, he was serious about that. So we're like, wow, he gets storms, he gets demons, he gets death? Who is this? And then he marched into Jerusalem. Well, he rode a donkey into Jerusalem, which was fulfilling a prophecy. Here he is. He's the king. Enters Jerusalem, messes up the, the money changers, messes with the authorities. They're, they're upset. They are so angry. And he, and he confronts them and tells them off, and, and they're trying to figure out, how do we get rid of this guy? Well, we can see it in their eyes. <laughs> and these were the guys with all the power. So we know they're, and they're waiting for the time. We can tell there's tension in the air in Jerusalem. People are excited he's there. Other people are excited about him being there. And we celebrated the Passover together. Jesus did something he'd never done with Passover before. He said, this is my body broken. This is my blood. You know, it's wine. It was weird. But, and then he goes out. And, I, and he said this thing about, you know, he said, follow me. I said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm with you. And he looked at me and he said, tonight. In fact, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. I said, no way, not me, I'm with you. I'm following you, you're the Messiah. I mean, I had seen amazing things. We'd been up on this mountain, in like Mount Sinai, this glory shone, and Jesus was that glory that was on the mountain, like at Mount Sinai, and Moses, and Elijah, who were the ones who were on Mount Sinai before they showed up too. Here we are on Mount Sinai with Moses, Elijah, and God, 
I mean, he, he was the son of God. And then he's talking about dying? Uh, anyway, so we went to the garden, and he said, pray with me. So I did. I prayed with him really, really hard for a while, and prayed some more, and prayed some things, and kind of was praying, and kind of fell asleep. Okay, I'm, I fell asleep. And he was over there sweating it out. I was asleep. He came and said, hey, can't you stay awake with me? This is a tough time. I'm like, yeah, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm with you. And then I fell asleep again. Um, none of you ever have that problem, right? Sleep, just stay awake fine. This was finals week, and I failed. Um, couldn't do the all-nighter. But so then they come, and the soldiers show up. Let me tell you, I'm a man of action. These scholars and priests and whatever, I'm a man of action. Or maybe reaction would be more honest, but I'm a, a man of reaction. So soldiers come, and they're going to take Jesus. I whip out the sword, and I cut off the ear, and I'm like, okay, we're on. This is it. The battle's come. We're going to do it. Jesus says, put the sword away. And he takes the guy's ear and heals him. This is the enemy. And he puts the guy's ear back on and heals him. And the guy still takes him away. I don't know how that works. But anyway, they took him away. They did this monkey trial. I went to follow and figure out what was going on. And here he is, man. He is on trial. They're going to kill him. I can see it in their eyes. They forget proper court procedures. You don't have trials in the middle of the night for proper court procedures. They just make up false witnesses, whatever. They forget injustice all around is all it is. Mock trial. They're condemning him to death. And then people are looking at me and say, hey, you got that accent from Galilee. You were with him, weren't you? Yeah, that was the moment. But you know, I'm reaction. Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> me? No, I picked up that Galilee accent someplace else. It's happened three times. I'm ashamed to say every time I said, I don't know him. Because you know what? When it came down to it, follow me. When it meant follow me to get whipped and ripped to shreds and be crucified, die, I wasn't up for it. It was Jesus and death or save my skin. And before the rooster crowed, I was a chicken. I, I wimped up. I quit following him, and I ran away. And I was so ashamed. I'd said I would be with him. Now, my best friend, John, John's a good guy. John stayed with him. The women, oh, yeah. So here's big Peter. The women are fine. They follow him. They go all the way to the cross with him. They go all the way across John. John's the one who likes to say, telling you what we saw, what we tasted, what we felt. John was there when they killed him, when they stuck the, the spear into his side. When he cried out, it's finished. When he said, John, 
Mom, did you guys take care of each other? I could have been there. He could have said that to me. But no, I wasn't there. I was hiding someplace. Because I didn't want to be there. And they could have put me up there. I didn't want to die. When it came right down to it, I thought this kingdom was not going to be a kingdom where you had to suffer and had to die. I thought it was going to be a kingdom where we were going to win. We were going to be victorious. But there was suffering in this thing. And there was death in this thing that I wasn't ready for. I hadn't done my practice for the big game. I wasn't ready. So then he died. They took him off the cross. They put him in a new tomb, just been finished. No other dead bodies in there. They hauled him over. They stuck him in the tomb. And they rolled that. Okay, it was a big, lot bigger stone than this thing, but it was like this size, but big. You know, it took a lot of them to shove that thing over. And then they sealed it up and they put a guard. Now, why did they put a guard around it? Because they overheard. They knew Jesus said, I'm going to die, and then I'm going to be raised to life again. Everybody knew it. I mean, he told us about it, but the word spread. So even the Jewish authorities are like, we got to post a guard. we got to make sure this doesn't happen, because that would not be good. They had the soldiers. They were ready. And they worked the night shift and the day shift. And they switched shifts, and they... They had a whole quadrant of soldiers there. And then something happened. I wasn't there. But something happened. And some of the women disciples went to put some spices on to reduce the smell and make things better. They had a whole bunch of spices for a king, man. And they went and they were like, but what are we going to do? That stone is over the grave and... How are we going to move that thing? And the soldiers, are they even going to let us? Will they move this? I don't know. But they still went. And when they got there, the soldiers were gone. I mean, they left a few things as they ran away, but they were gone. I mean, that's a death sentence for a soldier to abandon your post. But they were gone. I don't know what happened. But And the stone had been rolled away by somebody. And there was an angel... There was a real angel in the tomb, real angel standing there telling them, Jesus is risen. Jesus is alive from the dead. Go tell his disciples and Peter. And Peter. I think it meant including Peter. I, I think that's what he meant, was including Peter. Not his disciples and Peter. He did. He meant he was still including me and the disciples. Even though I had abandoned him, betrayed him, denied him because I was scared of death, he included me. He forgave me. For the ultimate treason, he forgave me. He didn't have to do that. And then... Well, the women came back and they told us. They told us about this thing. And John and I are like, you guys are crazy. What are you, nuts? People don't just die and then they're undead? And there were so, anyway, so we, we ran out there and 
And, the, and I ran. I, I, was, I was faster than John. And I ran. I got there first, but I was like, whoa! No way! I saw the, the grave clothes like, like Jesus made his bed. And it was, wasn't like he left in a hurry. There were, and then John ran on ahead of me. He went right in. And he was like, whoa. And, and we left and we're like, what happened? Did they take him? Where did they take him? What's going on? And then Jesus came. He came to us and he came to me specifically, separately, and talked to me. Because he knew, he knew, as he knew beforehand, how I betrayed him. In fact, when I betrayed him, he looked right at me and he said, like, remember? Remember? what?" And it wasn't a happy look on his face. He was sad that I had betrayed him. And, but he still he came back and he looked at me. And he told us, he told us to go up to Galilee to meet him. And, and then he showed up with all of us there. And, and Thomas was there. Thomas was there that, that Sunday, that, that Sunday night. Thomas wasn't there that Sunday night. Thomas, all of us were there except Thomas. And Thomas didn't believe it. You know, none of us believed it to start with. Would you believe it? Somebody says your grandma's back. Would you believe that? We saw him die. He wasn't like sort of dead. He was like bloody. These were professional executors, folks. They weren't like, I think he's dead. No. They used that spear, made sure he was dead. Thomas wouldn't believe it. The next, he said, not, not unless I put my fingers in his side and my, see the nail holes. It could be somebody else. You guys don't know. And the next week, Thomas was there and he showed up. And he said, okay, Thomas, here I am. Uh, so this is a picture, but they don't know what Thomas looks like. That's really a bad, really bad picture. But, but the idea is right. Thomas stuck his hand into Jesus' side. He stuck his finger into his hands. Folks, this was not a dream. So I know there's some people that say, I had a dream, or I had a whole bunch of dreams where Jesus showed up and I thought, oh, he's risen. Uh, he's spiritually here. Or like we saw a ghost. Ooh, it's Jesus. It wasn't like that at all. I mean, honestly, to start with, we thought that. Oh, it's a ghost. It's, it's Jesus. He said, hey, guys, I'm not a ghost. You got something to eat? He ate some fish. But like, ghosts don't eat. You got to have a body to eat. And Thomas stuck his fingers in there. We, we gave him hugs. It was Jesus' body. His body was resurrected. This was not his spirit come back in some other form. Now, his body was different. This wasn't like Lazarus, just like resuscitated, like here I am and I, uh, Lazarus died later. But this was Jesus, but a different kind of body. And I can't explain to you exactly how it was, but it was Jesus in a real body, but he was really alive. And he showed up a number, a number of times. He showed up. He told us to go up to Galilee. We went up there fishing. Now, some of you, I know some of you are like, 
But I was with these disciples. They go off fishing just when things get interesting. Come on, I am a fisherman. Rabbis, teachers, in our place, we don't do this professional whatever. You got to work for a living. You also get to teach. So I didn't. I had to. I had to fish. I'm proud to be a fisherman. Worked the night shift. But then this weird thing happened. The same thing that happened before. Somebody calls from the shore and says, "You get anything?" I'm like, no. One of those nights. He says, throw it on the other side of the boat. Like, okay, threw it on the other side of the boat. And we had all these fish. John's like, it's Jesus. I'm like, you're right. And I dove in the water, swam in, and it was Jesus. And we had breakfast. He ate. And we're like, I mean, it's kind of uncomfortable conversation. Like, what do you bring up when you've been, oh, you're back from the dead. How was it? You know, I don't know. But, um... Jesus knew what he was talking about. And every time Jesus showed up, there were two things he said. One thing was he explained to us, this is what fulfilled the law and the prophets and all of the scriptures were fulfilled in what Jesus did. Now, none of us had seen it that way. None of us got that the Messiah was going to have to die and suffer and the suffering servant was the same as the Messiah, and that not only was he going to die, but he was going to rise from the dead. Now, we had heard him tell us that, but we hadn't gotten it. But this, this meant something. This meant it changed the whole meaning of our past, and it changed the whole meaning of our future. It meant the kingdom has come. The kingdom we were waiting for, the king is here not only to deal with the Romans, but to deal with Satan and death itself and everything. Everything. He was Lord of everything. He was king over it all. Wow. And that changed how I saw everything. Jesus explained. So we saw the scripture in a whole new way. We saw the scripture in a whole new way that we had never seen before. And we understood that we were now in the new kingdom. The new kingdom that was the kingdom we were waiting for. And this was the Messiah, the King. And it was already here. That changed everything. And <clears throat> now, I, I always thought it'd be great to write a book about this stuff. But you know, I'm a fisherman. I, I, I don't write books. I talk good. I talk well. Um, I, t I talk. Um, you noticed. Yeah. So, fortunately, I had some friends who knew how to write, even in Greek. I mean, I can write Greek, but it's not the prettiest Greek. So, um, I, you know, I had somebody help me write a letter, a couple of letters to the Gentiles when I was in Rome later on. And I, I had Mark with me. Mark was a good guy, a good friend of Paul's too, but, well, not to start with, but he eventually was a good friend of Paul's. He was a good friend of mine, and, and I told him all these stories. He wrote them down in this beautiful book, just crafted beautifully. And, um, and he talked about all this stuff that happened, and then, and, and then Luke and, and Matthew used some of that and a whole bunch of other eyewitness testimonies. And, oh, Luke, he's amazing, man. He, he talked to all these people who had heard me preach, took notes, remembered stuff, 
And he, he reformed this stuff. I mean, I, I never had a manuscript. I just talked, right? So I didn't have any notes on this stuff. But Luke, man, I read this stuff. I'm like, wow, that's right. That's what I said. And so let me look it up because I can't always remember what I said every time. So, uh, you know, in Acts, that's, well, he wrote Luke and then he wrote Acts or Luke 1 and 2 or whatever you want to call it. Um, in Acts, so in chapter 2, chapter 2, Acts, I, I preached and I, I, want to know, I want you to know what I preached about. Um, so I preached about, let me find it here. Oh, yeah. I preached about the resurrection. Yep. I said, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Because we were witnesses, we saw it. And this was in Jerusalem 50 days after it happened, folks. So we were saying, hey, we were witnesses. You all, you all saw him die. We saw him alive. And then in chapter 3, oh yeah, that was chapter 3. Chapter 2, he said, Jesus, whom you crucified to be both Lord and Christ. Um, chapter 3, that, that guy got, he, the lame guy just jumped up because of Jesus' power. See, here's the thing. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Jesus was with us for 40 days, and then he went up to heaven. I mean, some other dimension, but he went up. I don't know exactly where he went, but he went up from us and said he was going to, the angels showed up and said he was going to come back. Just like that. That changed everything because when he went up, then he told us to wait until the Holy Spirit came because we were like, Oh, what are we going to do now? Jesus is gone. The presence of God is gone. But then Jesus went up with his body, and then he sent his Holy Spirit on us, on all of us. And you know how the, you remember how the fire came down on the tabernacle? The fire came down on Solomon's temple? The funny thing is the fire never came down on Herod's temple or the temple in Ezra's time. But we were next to the temple. The fire came down on us, and the Holy Spirit was with us, and we were empowered by that Holy Spirit. And when that happened, everybody's like, what's with them? They're drunk. They're talking all these like We can hear them praising God in our languages, but what's happening? So I explained, hey, Jesus died, and he rose again. And then we walked into the temple. This lame guy jumped up because of the power of Jesus with us. And I explained, hey, this guy didn't just jump up on his own. It's because of Jesus raised him. I said, you killed him, but God said he was the one by raising him from the dead. You can imagine the authorities weren't too happy with that. So they hauled us in, John and I. <clears throat> this is it. This is what I was afraid of. They said, you guys are saying stuff about us. We don't like it. Shut up or we'll kill you. We said, yeah, listen, you want us to obey you or you want us to obey God? Because Jesus, you killed him, but God rose, raised him from the dead. He is alive. I want you to see that it changed everything for everyone, but especially for me. Before, I was scared of death, but Jesus had conquered death, so 
The Jewish high council are threatening me with death. Okay. Bring it on. Because death is not something to be afraid of anymore. Jesus conquered death. And even if I die, he's the resurrection and the life. I'm going to live. Even if I suffer, that's just what Jesus did. And you know what? <clears throat> I got beat up. I got whipped. And you know what my attitude was? Woo-hoo. Last time I wimped out, this time I'm a follower. I'm a follower of the crucified and risen one. And that changes everything. If you're having a hard time, if you're having suffering and people are persecuting you because you're a Christian, I mean, they should do that. Stand up and say, I'm following him. He was persecuted. He was beat up. He was rejected. He was shamed. And he rose again. He died, and he's living. Even if I die, I'm going to live. So that's what I preached every time. I mean, this is nice. I said, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, is the one, Jesus Christ the Nazarene. I told it straight up to the Sanhedrin. I said this, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Nobody else has power over death. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Nobody else can save you from all of this because nobody else is king over all of this. Only Jesus. Jesus demonstrated it. He didn't just talk philosophy. He lived deliverance. He lived salvation. <laughs> so, I mean, this is pretty good. Luke 4 says, The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. That Jerusalem church was rocking. Rocking. You know, they had the rock. Not me. The rock. The foundation. The living one. And they were transformed like we were. Um, when, I, when I wrote the letter, okay, so somebody else wrote it down for me in good Greek, but 1 Peter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Into an inheritance that can never spoil or fade or perish. We have a living hope. I'm a witness. I saw it. John saw it. The women saw it. Jesus was alive. Jesus is alive. Now, Peter told Thomas, you're blessed because you got to see me, you got to handle me, you got to stick your fingers in there. Blessed are those who don't get that chance and yet believe and yet trust. Now, some of you are saying, okay, well, maybe it was a vision. It wasn't a vision. It was a body. Not only that, if these Jewish high council people wanted to shut us up, all they had to do was go back to this tomb that they were guarding and bring out the body and say, he's not risen. Here's the body. There was no body. 
Because Jesus was somebody, and he gone, raised up, and gone. All they had to do was produce a body, shut us up, but they didn't. And some people say, we stole the body. That, that's, okay, Jewish authorities made that one up, best they could do. Uh, I don't know, just tell them that uh, they came and stole the body. Yeah, like I'm going to die upside down on a, on a cross because of some lie I made up. Really? And with the other disciples? Like most of us, James had his head cut off like right away. John lived for a long time. I asked Jesus about that. I said, what about him? Because Jesus told me that I was going to get crucified. And I was like, really? Uh, and what about him? He said, you know what? That's, that's not your problem. John got a good long life. I got to be crucified upside down. We all got different things, but we got to follow Jesus. That's what he said to me. When I said, what about him? He said, don't worry about that. You follow me. And that's what he's saying to you. He said it to me when I was out in the, with the fish. He said, hey, follow me. And after I had denied him, he said, do you love me? I said, yeah, you know I do. He said, do you love me? Yeah. He said, do you love me? I said, you know I do. He asked me three times because... I denied him three times. He wanted me to be sure I said, yes, I love you. You know what he told me? Feed my sheep. And then he said, follow me. What about you? Are you going to follow Jesus? No guarantees, folks. Suffering? Sure. Death? Yes. Tough times? Sure. Jesus promised us we'd take up our cross and follow him. He didn't say, hey, you want a cushy way to go? Are you ready to follow him wherever he goes, whatever the cost? Or are you like me at the beginning, just in, in it for the benefits? He's got a lot of benefits. So that following him, yeah, there's benefits. A lot of benefits. There's no guarantees. There's going to be suffering. And you may not be experiencing it so much here. I don't know. But there's people around the world who are suffering because they're following Jesus. And they still say it's worth it. I want you to know it's worth it. Because of who he is. He is Messiah. He is the King. He is the Lord. He is the risen, living one. He has conquered it all. And he is saying to you, will you follow me? To death? To life? Will you follow me? What's holding you back? What are you afraid of? Shame? You know, Mark, <laughs> Mark wrote the weirdest ending to this book. I, I, I'm not the only one that thinks so, but it made sense. I mean, he's got his reasons, okay? So Mark writes this. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that, well, he, 
don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The woman fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. That's, what, that's how we ended the book. I mean, some other people have added some other things because that doesn't sound like a very good ending, but really. I, I wasn't so sure myself, but Mark said, hey, leave it there. Let people decide. Because when you read that end, you got to go, they didn't tell anybody? Then how do I know? They didn't tell anybody? How did you write this book? They, they didn't tell Peter? How did, how did you get all this information from Peter? I mean, it's implied, right? But let me ask you, which ending are you putting on the gospel? They were too afraid, so they didn't tell anybody. This week, are you ready to say, Jesus is risen? He is risen indeed. To the people who are in your house, on your bus, at your school, are you ready to say, Jesus is risen and I'm following him? Or are you afraid that, you know, it might, it might be uncomfortable? People might think that's weird. People might think less of you. And but somebody going to kill you? For saying that? Maybe. It happens. Are you ready to follow him and are you ready to witness to his resurrection? You know, I was never a great preacher. All I, had, all I did was I went around and said, you know what? Jesus died and he rose again and I'm a witness to it. I saw his life. I saw his death. I saw him living again. I'm a witness. All you have to do is say the same thing. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. I am a witness. Amen. Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because if Jesus is alive, it makes all the difference. Can the worship team come up? And I want us, I'm changing things up a little bit. The end of the Wickham song, Living Hope. There's a chorus there that I want us to sing. And, and the chorus just before about the lion roaring, the verse just before that. Let's sing that because we have a living hope. That song is quoting Peter. You kids get it that I was Peter, the disciple? Yeah, hope so. Um, what difference does it make in your life if Jesus is risen? What difference would it make in your life if you were not afraid of death? If you were willing to follow Jesus through anything, if you were willing to witness to his resurrection through anything, you don't have to be any kind of scholar, any kind of special person. You just have to be a witness. 
just pass on what Peter and the disciples and the women and the others who witnessed it passed on. What they had seen and heard and witnessed. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the head dead. That changes everything. If you want to make a declaration today that you are willing to follow Jesus wherever, I'm going to invite you to stand. Lord, you are our living hope. You are alive. Your spirit is with us. You are present with us through your Holy Spirit, through the people that are with us. And you are waiting for us. You are coming again to raise us from the dead with our bodies, our new bodies. There is victory over the grave. We have nothing to fear. Not death, not Satan, not sin, not our weakness, not the authorities, not nothing. Lord, you are able and we are victorious as we follow you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your power, and your life. In Jesus' name, pray that. Amen. And uh, I hope you have a great Easter today and all year. This was always my dad's favorite holiday, the favorite day because Easter is the best day because it goes through the whole year in resurrection life following Jesus. So let me give a benediction, then we're going to worship some more, and you can go get your kids, and you can uh, have a blessed Easter season. But in case you don't know, Lent is a season followed by the Easter season. It's not just today. we got 50 days to celebrate Easter. So uh, let's, let's give a benediction. Lord, thank you for these people who have gathered here to celebrate you. Thank you for being with us as we are here and being with us as we go out to be your witnesses. Now bless your people. Be blessed in the name of the Father who sent his Son, Jesus who died for you, the Spirit who empowers you to be a witness to the resurrected one. Go in his name to be a witness to the nations. Amen.